Welcome to the Everything Music Ed podcast. I'm your host, Tom Borning. In this podcast, you'll hear from teachers, musicians, and others about their experiences in learning and teaching music. In today's podcast, we talk with Alex Pendleton, band director and department head at Dennis Yarmouth Regional High School. Alex has been a band director for 25 years, and during that time, the Dennis Yarmouth Regional High School Marching Band has achieved the highest honors at state, regional, and national competitions. We talk with Alex about how he achieved such high a level with his students, as well as budget concerns, staffing concerns, and how you come up with a show that's worthy of top scores at a competition. Hope you enjoy the show. Correctly, do you are you a Stone Temple Pilots fan too? I like Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, they're like my favorite band. Yeah, they're great. I, I feel like they don't get the love that they deserve. Yeah, in the rock, they're so great. Yeah, and uh, I just uh, I went to see them last year. They oh was, really? They were so good. Oh, I bet. oh my god! Like the DeLeo brothers are just phenomenal. I think people don't understand. Like, you know, they think you think about like Plush, their first song. And it's yep. like great. Album. You know. That tune, that's a, like you know, that was like a m- huge hit. It's got an E flat major seven chord in it. Right. Like what? What rock band has an E flat major seven chord in it? Like, tell me, you know, like, like, I don't know. I it was just, almost like it was like elevated grunge music. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Nirvana's I, doing just you know bar, uh, you yes. know, power chords, which is great. Yeah, yeah. but they had they were a little more elevated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's right. That's I I absolutely agree. I, I still come back to listen to that music all yeah. the time. But that's funny. Their album Purple is one of my go-to clean the house albums. Like if it's like all right, oh. no one's home, I'm gonna just blast music that mm-hmm. I know my girls aren't gonna yeah. want to hear. I always resort to that album. Turn start, it up and start to finish. Just go it's nuts. Awesome. Yeah. Oh man, that's uh, I. Sure. That's probably my favorite album, probably of all time. Yeah. Ab- cool. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Like ever. That's if I had one album. For my entire life. Wow. That's the one. Desert Island. But, uh, all right, so I'm here with Alex Pendleton. He's the band director at Dennis Yarmouth High School. Uh, how long have you been teaching? 25 years. 25. Yep, start my 25th. Really? You're like, you're only a couple years behind me. Yeah, okay. started here in the fall of 1999. Yep, yeah, I... I taught one year in West Springfield, fall of 97, and then I was fall of 98 in Falmouth. Yeah. Wow, okay. No, did you grow up on Cape? You did, right? I did, did yeah. you go I right here, DUI, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. I thought yep. you went to DY. I thought I remembered that. Yep. So you had John New as a band director. I did. Yep. Mr. New. Wow. Yep. So that that's so funny. I always had aspirations of coming back and teaching at Barnstable back in the day, you know, but I can't do it. Yeah. It's opened up so many times. Like, I feel like that, I hate to say it, the community just misses the mark on the arts somehow. They, It's unfortunate. It really is because Tony Stevens was a legend. Yeah. You know, an absolute legend. And uh, to see what he had, you know, Barnstable was the pinnacle of marching band programs yep. and band programs in the yep. late 70s, 80s, 90s. And yeah. to see what happened to him in the early 2000s was really sad. Horrible. I, I It's I could I could never go back there. No, it's like I I feel bad. And they have that beautiful facility. Yeah. When we all like die for that facility, right. it's unbelievable. Oh my gosh. At this point, I feel like the band director job there is like defense of the dark arts. <laughs> and 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 I know Ian's the new band director. I wish him well. Yeah, he's, a, yeah. he's a really great guy and I'll, you know, I'm sure he will do well, but yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh that's a that could be a risky job to take. Wow. So the the uh well, at least t- in terms of for me, like you're you're one of the last. You're not really the last. It's probably it's probably only two marching bands left on Cape Cod yeah, right now. Basically, it's, it's Falmouth and DY. It's Falmouth and DY, and frankly, Falmouth is is hanging on by a thread. I right. wouldn't even have a marching band if I was them. But whatever, it's not my choice. Sure. But it's. I obviously also think like you've had such success for the last. I don't know. 
dozen years, yeah. maybe more, with the marching band. It's just you've taken it to the whole another level since you started, um, since you took over the marching band. Kudos to you, man. But, um, you know, what during COVID, how did, you, how did you end up keeping that program alive during COVID? That was COVID? a challenge. Um, we, you know, obviously we had all the kids, and uh, we tried to recruit blind, you know, with the intention we weren't sure what we were going to do. Uh, we, my staff and I met through the spring and the summer on a weekly basis, um, you know, with all the proper protocols of those days. We used to meet at a park at one point, then we started meeting at my house. And we started planning the season as if COVID was going to magically disappear. Because, of course, at that point, you know, it, it, it basically came in March. So, you know, April, May, June, when you really start planning a show, there was still that hope that, oh, they're going to find a cure. So, you know, we're going to go back to normal in the fall. And, of course, as summer progressed, and we realized there wasn't going to be any sort of a program, um, and we weren't really able to do it. Uh, now, what we were able to do is, and, and, the, and the, the, the reason that one of the reasons that we survived is because we had a superintendent, a principal who let us do it, uh, where we rehearsed outside at a social distance. We had them out on the track playing, marching, you know, separated with no intention of public performance, but at least we were together and we were playing. Yeah. That's pretty huge. Yeah, that is pretty huge because that's – I feel like that's – like we really took a hit in our district just because the the junior high schedule did not really support music. They, yeah. they – it was uh, – I shouldn't say that – support performing arts. So, you know, the band had a, a collective Zoom, 7th and 8th grade band, 100 and whatever kids in it, you know, Wednesdays at 1 o'clock via Zoom. Right, one hundred kids. Yeah, you don't you don't play an instrument to play alone in your bedroom. Right, and you that's know? what it was here, March till the end of that school year. Yep, and that's basically what it was. Right. wrote it off. Is right, that's right. But even I'm talking even that next year, that's right. what it was. Oh, there. see, for here that next year we had our concert bands, but we could only have about a maximum of ten kids per band because they had to be separated twelve feet apart. Yep. Uh, so some kids got it, some kids didn't. Um, and we tried to, because we were, we're, we were semester-based on that schedule, we tried to make sure that the kids that weren't in it first semester got it in the second semester, even if it meant those kids in first didn't take it second. So at least everyone had a chance to play their instrument yeah. you know, during the school year. That's uh, huge. But we were really fortunate that next year we had all the kids come back. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, I mean, I think, I think we're going to be doing back to – somewhat normal and found it's going to take a while to build up that high those high school numbers though you have two oh, well. two years of missing our it high school numbers here are low um i think what's really low is the the skill level the ability yep. level oh yeah so and i'm seeing it firsthand we started our marching band this summer and these incoming eighth graders music that was sight readable by some of the most mediocre of players in my career these kids can't play yeah i mean it's i the amount of hold hand, hand holding and spoon feeding I have to do this summer sure. to some of the most basic stuff uh, to the point where the, the, the show we bought, I, I literally just finished it this morning. I put the entire score, every part in finale. Took me hours, but it's worth it because now I can water things down and reprint them out and then obviously add the more, you know, so if there's a, a 16th note run, right now they're playing the quarter notes on the downbeat. Yep. And they have that mastered, then they'll go to the eighth notes. And then maybe we'll get to the 16th notes. But right. uh, the amount of the, the skill level is is really low. Yep. But the excitement and the band geekiness of it is not. If anything, it's almost more because uh-huh. they since they didn't get as much of a band experience so far, the novelty isn't. You know what I mean? They they yeah. they're not getting used to it yet. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's great, man. So, so give me tell me some of the accolades that your marching band has had. I know you've won some. Yeah, I don't even want to mess it up because I'll mess it up. I know no, you do. Right. So lots we, of the we compete in the U.S. band circuit, which is a nationwide circuit, very popular in New England. Uh, since 2010, you know, we, we won some Massachusetts championships in the early 2000s and mid 2000s. But it was really about 2010 was when it really started to take off. Uh, and I, I couldn't tell you how many we've won, but we've won our first place in our division almost every year statewide. And then New England championships in terms of beating all the bands in our division from New England, I'd say about half the time we do that. So really doing really, really, really well. Um, in addition to our competitions, we do some parades. 
Uh, we, you know, obviously we do our home football games. We also have a nice rich tradition of travel. We've, I've taken the band to, you know, Disney World, Washington, D.C., Ireland, um, Pennsylvania. Were you in the Were you in the band here when you went to Ireland yes. with Mr. New? Yeah, yeah back in '92. Yeah, I was I was I was in the band. We went to Ireland, and then John and I took the band. My second year, I was working here. No, it was actually my first year, oh. in 2000. I remember that. Here's how I remember that. Because yeah. Pat Riley, yes, he was my uh, senior that year. He was playing saxophone, and I was like a district manager or something. And he, there was an orchestra piece that had him in it, or they went like a Holtz tune or something like that. And I was just like, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm just not playing on this tune. So he was like sort of standing up at the back of the room, and I was just chatting with him. This is, you know, I was like two or three years teaching, and he's a freshman, I mean a senior. And I was like, oh, you're going to try for Allstate? No, we're going to be in Ireland. Okay. As I totally remember that yeah. uh, from that. Just like now, I mean, Pat seems old. So now yeah, I seem he's old. He's like 40 <laughs> now, I think. And I, you know, I'll, t- I'll tell he'll be in the office and, you know, students know of him. And I was like, you know, he was my former student. What? Really? He's the uh, principal at Truro now. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He was doing the elementary music thing for a long time in school yeah. music. And then he got the job as principal of ME Small, one of our elementary right, schools. Right. I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he made the move to Truro a couple of years ago. Wow. Loves I didn't it. know that. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. There's so many. I got to tell you, like, my wife is the principal now. And um, I was thinking about Pat. And there's, um, I know somebody, like, Iris Schaefer was a, a I wouldn't be an administrator for triple the pay. Nope. Not me in a either. million years. Nope. No, could if I want to make more money. I'll go do real estate or something. Yeah, like no, I'm I, with, I am I'm absolutely real. with you. I that is a special animal, and I am not that person. Yeah, well, that's good. That's good to hear. So, uh, let me ask you this: um, Your marching band is it? Every kid in marching band does concert band. No, that's what really makes us unique. So, back when you and I were in high school, I'm sure Barnstable was in family. We're all kind of the same. It was band, right? Mm-hmm. And, and marching band was part of the fall curriculum, and you stuck, and you went, and then it kind of turned into concert band. Uh, and of course, back in those days, athletes really couldn't be part of the band program, yeah, because it was it was just too difficult. Stupid, but right? yes. So John and I changed that uh, late '90s, early 2000s was kind of a phase through thing where we separated the two programs. So marching band. Since then and now is a co-curricular that meets after school, just like if you want to join the track team, yep. right? Concert band is a class that meets during the school day. We got three or four concerts out of the year, work with the athletic director, so there's never a conflict. So what happened was when we changed that, and then later on when our schedule changed, our concert band program exploded. Yep, same in all family. the athletes yep. stuck with it. Uh, so at the height, I would say maybe around the 2007, 16, 17, 18, in a high school of less than 1,000, we had over 200 kids in concert band, grades 8 through 12. That's great. And about 60 to 80, let's just say on average 70 kids in the marching band. Mm-hmm. Now, back when I was in high school, we had about 60, 70 kids in the concert band and in the marching band. Right. So allowing those athletes to join the concert band threw my program at a whole other yeah. level. And they bring that athletic drive. They love playing All it. it. All of it. And it, it works out yeah, well. Yeah, that was the same. So, like, when, when I was in Falmouth— you know, they used to have, you know, always had like a band slash marching band. And they weren't even, before I got there, Where they weren't even a competitive marching band. They were like just a, hey, let's do like, you know, 15 sets and yeah. play some fun music, which is fine. You know, they had a dance team and, yeah. the, you know, the old, old styles type stuff, you know. So, but the, the next year we sort of made the change. You know, and so now instead of 80 people in the band, all of a sudden I have 120 in my concert band. Yeah. I still have 70 in the marching band. It was great. Yep. It was great. So now I have all these other kids, more accepting, you know. And then, you and know, you I also, think— Also, you probably noticed you had kids in the marching band that really wanted to be there. Oh, yeah. That was the thing that John always fought was always dealing with behavior issues and, and, and all yeah. that, that management because you got kids there that— Maybe their parents were making them stay in band. You know, we just finished paying this rental. You're going to play that saxophone. And the kid hated being in band. Yep. Kids, if they're still playing, if they're still signing up for concert band by high school, there's some part of them that enjoys being there. So they're there, and there's no behavior issues. And marching band's even better. I mean, if, if they, if they want to make that commitment to be in that group, they're really into it. Yep. The only negative to it 
is we don't have an opportunity to rehearse our music during the school day. Yeah. So, you know, in the marching band competitive world, at least with the U.S. bands, they classify bands either A, op- a or open. And, uh, like, so you look at a program like Dartmouth, which is kind of the, the pinnacle, right, of, of marching band in, almost in our country. Uh, they rehearse their marching band music during the school day. Yeah. If I could do that, we'd probably be an open band. We'd be even 100 times better. So uh, we have to do a lot more work within our after-school and evening rehearsals, and I rely on those students to practice far more than a concert band would when I can see them every day. Yeah. But, again, going back to the fact that those are the kids that really want to be there, they are going home and practicing. Yeah. So it kind of works out. But I am a little, you know, sometimes a little envious of those programs that that marching band is still part of that school day and mm-hmm. they have that opportunity to practice music during the day and then just only focus on marching in the evening. Yeah, right. I, I, there, there's pros and cons to it, you know, because I remember Tony Stevens' big thing used to be like, you want to have that band. The marching band is what the average Joe sees. Correct. Right? So it's like you could have, you know, I, 2004, I had the best jazz band in the state. How many people you think know that? Right. <laughs> right? I bet you more people know about your marching band than sure. my jazz band. Yeah, you know what Friday I mean? Friday night football games. Right. Fri- the, Friday night comes. football games. You march in parades. You know, that's what, that's what the average Joe Schmo Towns taxpayer sees, right, is the marching band, generally speaking, right? So I, I feel a little weird, frankly, that, you know, are now our, our marching band being so small, like 30 kids or something like that in Falmouth. It's like that's um, like people think, oh, the music program is, you know, which we are still struggling to come back in my opinion. But um, but even like when years it was like even when there was like 50 people in the marching band, but we had a wind ensemble of 45 kids and a concert band of 80 kids. They didn't know that. Right. They didn't know that I took the concert band to the Micah Festival and, you know, got a gold medal or whatever. Like, they didn't know that. Sure. You know, they see, oh, that marching band, is, the band is so small. No, actually, we're kicking butt. Right. I personally think the way we do it is the most inclusive. Plus, I had the, the amount of athletes you get, you know, the kids that, you know, and I've always been an athlete myself. And it's like I struggled in high school, you know. I fall sports wasn't really my thing but I played hockey and baseball for yeah. for years through high, and it was really tough you know and um I like being able to talk sports with my music yep. kids and I I don't know yeah it makes I, for a much more diverse group of, of students absolutely and, uh, and at, at the height of my program I swear the reason why the program in Falmouth like early to mid to early 2000s was so big was because there was a couple freshman classes that came in in a row where, like, my best musician was also, like, the best soccer player yeah, or the best baseball is, player. Yep, it's, it's usually how that is. You always have that anomaly yeah. of the kid who just eat, breathes, and sleeps their instrument. There will always be a few of those kids. But generally, yeah, those kids that are talented athletes tend to be talented musicians. They, yeah, they, they there's, like, a coordination thing. Think yep. about it. You know, there's, there's, like, a just a coordination thing um, that helps. Yeah. I, yeah, I really believe that. Um, so what about the uh, the rest of your program in here? Do I have a concert band? Yeah, so we've got uh, two concert – well, we have two concert band programs. We have an 8-9 band, which Ray Castano runs, who's also a DY grad. Yep. Graduated in 93. Uh, and, oh, so he's uh, my grade. Yeah, yeah, right. You guys probably were in, you know, all kicked together and everything. Yeah. Played tenor sax. Uh, so he teaches the two 8th, ninth grade concert bands, and I teach two 10th through 12th grade concert bands. Uh, at its height, like I said, we had a little more than 200 kids enrolled, um, and that's when it got to be that number. That's when our principal at the time hired a second band director. It was just getting too much for me to handle. Uh, at one time, we had an 8-9 jazz band. Uh, we have a 10th through 12th grade jazz band. That program has been a struggle to come back after COVID, mainly because we changed our schedule. We used to be on a 4 by 4 8 block which was a dream because the overachieving kids had so much room in their schedule to take electives. They could take jazz band and concert band. It was never a problem. So I had a 25-piece big band for about a decade. Never, always had four bones, four trumpets. Sometimes I'd have like nine, eight out, you know, saxophones, whatever. Bring them in. Yep. Now it's more of a hybrid between a jazz combo and a jazz band, um, which, 
you know, it has its pros and cons. One of the major pros is I can focus on improvisation, mm-hmm. and we can play things more of like the real book and do a yeah. little more authentic things instead of just sure. reading the just reading the charts note by note. But so we have our, our jazz band, our concert band. Um, you know, in addition to that, we've got three choirs, two orca- two string orchestras, a comprehensive guitar program, beginning, intermediate, advanced, and then a lot of those non-performing classes like music tech and music appreciation, music uh, theory, AP music theory. But in terms of band program during the school day, that's our big stuff is the jazz band and the concert band. Uh, Co-curricular wise, of course, we have the marching band in the fall. And then in the wintertime, John Jamison, our percussion instructor, runs our competitive winter percussion, yep. which is still super strong. Um, yep. And then, you know, little ensembles here and there that, that need to be popped up. Uh, we have a fun ensemble we do in the Christmas. We call it our Christmas Winds Ensemble. All those little strolls around in the Cape. Oh, we'll yeah. go and we'll play some of those and make a few hundred bucks. And yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, um, but back to marching band. Um, how many how many people are on your staff? Currently, you know, the staff has been revolving over my career. We've had all different people in and out. Right now, we have a nice steady staff that's been with me for a long time. John Jamison's our assistant marching band director and percussion instructor. We hired him from Barnstable back in 2010, and he's one of the reasons our program has exploded. Uh, his assistant, Becca Marcotte, is a DY grad, class of 08, and she's kind of the assistant percussion instructor. She's also a drill writer. She's writing drill for the first time this year. Oh, wow. For us. We had uh, Jeff Mulholland, who you know, another yep. DY grad. He wrote drill with us for many, many years, probably almost 20 years, and he recently retired. And uh, we had Ian Flint from Dartmouth last year, and now we're trying Becca Marcotte. So she's nice. on staff. Uh, and then we have our two color guard instructors. Ashley Harris is the director, and her brother Tyler. Kevin Karras, who has been our color guard instructor since 1988, right, just retired. Yep, I did see that. Just retired. So yep. that was a big deal after 30-something years yeah. of working here. Yeah, I mean, DY um, just had a phenomenal guard for yeah. so long, yeah. But his kids are incredible, and we're definitely we're phasing in over the past number of years. So yep. it was a very smooth transition with her becoming director. Uh, and then another one of our staff people, Becky Bergeron, who's a graduate from 06. She's been working with us for, I think, over 10 years now. So Look at all the people yeah, from DY that come back to every, DY. Everyone <laughs> on staff is a DY grad except for John Jamison. Now, yep. Tyler and, and Ashley technically didn't go to DY. I think they went to Mashpee. But you know, Ashley was in the guard here. We kind of gave her a special treatment yep. you know, to be in the program. And Tyler just grew up on the football field here. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's a real homegrown. And, and as I look at the previous staff that's come and gone, they've almost all been DY grads. Yeah. I mean, that, that's interesting. I think a lot of that we have to on some level admit is because, especially right now, it's so hard to be a young teacher and afford to live on the Cape. Oh, yeah. Right? So it's like if you have, you know – you have some roots here. You have a family home you can come live at or whatever. I don't know. That's what that I has to have something to do, right? That's yeah. what you did? Yeah I, yeah. I moved here, and I lived with my folks for a year before I right. could, was able to find an apartment. Right. You know, and back in those days, apartments were easier to find. And right. Definitely affordable. Yeah. You know, bought a place and yada, yada. But yeah. I mean, that's so I – I still think about, like, in a few more years, I just think we're going to have – even harder time finding teachers on the Cape. Well, right now I, 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 I do real estate as well and I'm, I'm trying to find a condo for a teacher that worked here for a year. He's been here for a year. He's living with his parent, living with his mom, wants to get his own place, looking at a condo. The cheapest condo on Cape Cod is $310,000 yep. for not a nice place in Hyannis. Yeah. And he applies for the VA. He's got the VA loan so he can put 0% down. So when you add up the principal, the mortgage payment on 100% financing, because he doesn't have any money at all, uh, taxes, insurance, the $400 HOA fee, and now you put in a 7% interest rate, his mortgage is 3100 a month <laughs> for a 650-square-foot condo. And now, so he's obviously not buying it. Yeah. There's nothing else. Uh, yeah. So the sad reality is he's going to have to get used to living with his mom forever or yeah. move. Yeah. I, I know there were definitely uh – multiple teachers in Falmouth that have lived in affordable housing yep. for years. Yeah, we lost a lot of teachers this year, and yep. that was the number one reason. Yep. Is that I don't know where they were living or how they were living, but yep. you know, after a year of probably you know, doing the part-time thing, they, they wanted to find a place and yeah. just can't. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that's 
Oh, that makes me nervous. <laughs> yeah, that that just makes me so nervous. So, when you're um, when you're designing a show, like so, okay, it's if you're anything like I used to be, you probably don't even know that I'm like I'm like a super marching band junkie okay. in my head. Like I'm like a like like DCI. Like oh, I'm, yeah, sure. I'm I'm Love a I'm a fanatic, and um, but um, Thanksgiving's done. Yep. You know, I assume that's probably usually your last marching band yep. show of the year, Thanksgiving. And so maybe you've already thought about, you know, how, what does that process look like when you start thinking about a show for the So it's year? changed over the years, and I think the, the biggest change has been the influence of WGI. Marching band is so much more now theater, more than anything, yeah. more, than, more than the music. It really is. It's about, about putting a theatrical production on the, on the field. So... You know, if you asked me this question 15 years ago, I would tell you, I'm looking for the music that's going to fit my students, and we're going to play these three songs and march around on the field. And if it has a theme, great, you know, whatever it might be. Now, it's the complete opposite. My staff and I were talking about, what do we want the theme to be? And then from there, I go on publishers' websites, and I start looking at, you know, whether it be a packaged show. And you always grab from other things. You never buy the show, and that's how you play it beginning to end. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you only end up using about half of it. Uh, so my staff and I, we all get along really well. Sometimes we're talking about during the season. Sometimes it's during the off-season. Uh, we get together. We have meetings. But we usually are going to come together with a theme first. Uh, sometimes it will work in the opposite way, and that will usually come from my end, uh, where I'll be, you know, in my office. It's February. I'm kind of bored. All right, I'll go on, you know, Gary Gilroy's site or, you know, the Key Peeling site. And I'll go on. I'll just start listening to shows. Yeah. And it's something like, oh, my gosh, I love this writing. Oh, the theme is, you know, Egyptian. You know, I'll shoot that email. Hey, what do you guys think about an Egyptian show? Yeah. And they know it's coming from because they saw the music. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your players dictate that. Let's say you got a screamer trumpet that year. Or you got, oh, my gosh, I have, I have a low brass section that's a dream. And you hear a show that you know, is heavy on that. But usually the theme is coming first. Um, I rely a lot on my color guard staff. They've got that, that mindset where they're thinking about the whole package and the drill and the, and the visuals. Uh, but we come together with a theme, and then my job is to find music that my kids can play. You know, it's within their ability level uh, to fit the theme. So I'll start sending shows to them. Oh, I like this. I don't like that. What if we do this? And, you know, the color guard instructors, what if we just do song one from this show and song two from this show? I'm like, you're talking about licensing $6,000 worth of music. So, no, we're going to buy one $2,000 show. But if you want to buy the Hal Leonard. So, for instance, this year our theme is pop. And this was we, we we do we've always done a lot of dark shows. Kids love doing the dark shows, right? Yeah. So this year the theme is pop, and and it, it, there's three elements to the show. There's pop art, pop things that go pop, and pop music. So we found a show, uh, a published show that literally the show was called Things That Go Pop. We couldn't believe it. Listen to it. This is amazing. The main motif is is pop goes the weasel. It's done very well, uh, but there's this big middle section before well kind of the last end of it before it recapitulates to the beginning we don't really like so we thought you know what we should do is literally we decided this last night we had a staff meeting at my guard instructor's house um is i'm going to hunt around hal leonard is the great you know they got all the pop songs oh, yeah. we're going to find three pop songs the kind of stuff that we would never do right you go oh that's yep. so cheesy it sounds like a university band but if we can find three pop songs to insert there it'll really help sell the pop music part of the show and, and maybe just play eight bars or 16 bars at the most Right, and then after we play that ditty, feature a part of the battery, and then another ditty. So yeah, it, it kind of you know it, a lot of times the theme and everything kind of gets developed, you know, throughout the season. Yep. Um, you know, and then of course once you start rehearsing with the kids, that can make a change because you realize maybe their ability level, their skill level. Uh, but to go back to the yeah, it, generally, it, the theme is coming first, and again, that kind of comes more to the way marching band has developed over the yeah. years. If you don't go on that field and you let your audience and those judges know right from the, almost the pre-show what your theme is, you, you, you've lost. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a big influence of WGI, sure. schools like Dartmouth, mm-hmm. where you know they come out with almost everything but the kitchen sink. It's, yeah. all, about the, it's all about the visual. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah that's and amazing. not so much about the music. I think about the music that my band played 10, 15 years ago and how many notes you know it's not like the most yeah. right? all these notes they played and everything and now you look at the music 
it, it, the music's much simpler now. Yeah, sure. And it's not as many notes. And when they do have a lot of the, the, the busy stuff, yep. it's park You're and play. standing still. Yeah. I mean, you know, you watch the DCI yep. course. Yeah. Uh, John John sent me Carolina Crown, uh, a, a recording of Carolina Crown. Uh, was it the Cavaliers? But, and then Boston Crusaders. I just watched them the other yeah. day. And I'm blown away by how little the, band, the, the drum corps march and play at the same time. It's all park and play. Yeah. And it's brilliant because if you have your brass section standing and playing a difficult part, clearly they're going to play it better. But your eyes watching the guard and the woodwinds do yeah. all this crazy visual yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you don't really miss it. Yeah. It's much different you know, from when we were in high school. And yeah. You know, Mr. Stevens, Mr. New, you pick, you pick three songs. Yeah. That they don't even maybe relate to each oh, other. Did, well, well, that was a thing. Like, right – theme shows really – came along like right toward the end of us being in high school because what it used to be it used to be you started with like a big opener the middle song was like a color guard feature and then you had like another you know maybe a percussion feature and then you'd end with another you know big opener you know so that was like that was it didn't matter it was like you know i think my freshman year of high school, we did the opener from Pictures at an Exhibition. No, it was like Pictures at an Exhibition, Hal Leonard version, yeah. you know, Jay Bo Cook or something. Right, and then Georgia on My Mind, yeah, which we, was the color We guy, did that too. We right? did Georgia on My Mind. And then the last tune was like, how do you keep the music playing or something like that. And then, you know, another year it was like Durango, which is like a classic Jay Bo Cook. And then Birth of the Blues, Color Guard. And then it was like Brian's song. Yeah. You know, like just yep. oh, and I, and completely stuff that were different. So it was like to me, it was almost like a concert band. Like to me, I like I like a con- like a concert band. I like to have variety. You know, it's like a march, a concert type contest piece, maybe a lighter selection, a slow, beautiful piece, and then maybe one more upbeat piece. Yeah. That be, you know, um, the yeah. The thing too about the march band now is it's. It, it's almost one piece of music. Like it's it's rare that you play a song, stop, clap, drum major. You know, back in the, the drum major, yes. yeah, yeah, drum yeah. major switch. It's like <laughs> yeah. almost like an intermission between pieces. Now the songs all just go right into the next one. You know, you have sound effects and voiceovers, and yep. you know all these. So, yeah, it's it, it's much different than it used to be. Yeah, wow, that's it's so it's so cool. I love it, but I, you have to adapt absolutely. to the time because you've got again you've got these judges. That you know, it's not all about the score and the judges, but at the yeah. end of the day, you want to do well, right? You spend yeah. all this money competing, uh, so you got you got to keep up with the times. Yeah, and you got to develop it. What's uh, what's your budget look like, and how budgets, how are you funding it? I tell you, so budgets budgets got an interesting story. The the DY band had always been funded with our big bingo fundraiser, that started in 1982 when the band director at the time, Frank Fuller, wanted to take the band on the road to the Rose Bowl. March on the parade, do the whole I, thing. Frank, Frank plays with me. Oh, okay, you know Frank. Yeah, yeah he's a great guy. Yeah. So he did that. He started Bingo. Bingo ran strong uh, through the '80s, the '90s, and the early 2000s. Bingo was netting anywhere between forty to sixty thousand dollars a year. Oh wow! During John News, John News tenure, he'd go to administration. Hey, we need money. You know, it's not fair that we have to raise this money. Sports don't, and they'd say, "Stop complaining. You got a cash cow." I get the job. I started complaining this and that. Alex, you've got money. You, you just keep your fundraiser going. And it, what was it going to do? Stop the fundraiser. It was a great program. Well, in the late 2010s, the Dennis Senior Center was getting renovated, and we got kicked out of there. I fought it all the way to the top to the selectmen, and we lost. Uh, so our superintendent, Carol Woodbury, was kind enough to allow us to move bingo to the Wicks in Middle School. Use the building free of charge, which had no AC right off the bat. It was doomed. It was destined to fail. Yep. And the other issue, too, is, you know, 20, 30 years ago, there were a lot of people playing bingo in their yep. 60s. That was like a thing to do. Sure. Decades roll on, and they started dying off. The, the You know, like our parents' generation, they're not playing bingo. People, yep. people now in their 60s, 70s. So uh, the player amounts were going down. Uh, so we made the decision to close. We had to close bingo. We, we, there's, you know, with the fundraiser like that, if you have, let's say, less than 40 players, you take a loss right. consistently. So we closed it. Uh, and I went to my principal at the time, who was uh, Paul Funk, who since passed away. And I said, Paul, I'm sorry, but you've got a really big decision to make here. Either we close all co-curricular band programs, winter percussion, winter guard, or you fund it. Because I can't raise 
at that point it was forty thousand dollars i can't raise forty thousand dollars because my kids are already raising 25 so i had my kids raising 25 the parents working bingo making 40. and he and the superintendent stepped up and they give us forty thousand dollars oh and that's a revolving great. account that i got yep. this year as well yep. so it costs about 60 to 70 grand to run the program when i'm talking full year winter percussion winter guard marching band color guard uh, about 60, 70 grand, and the school gives us 40. We raise about another another 20, uh, and we do pretty well with it. Nice. The biggest expense is transportation. Sure. Oh, it's massive. Yeah. Massive expense. Yeah. But um, so so we're really really fortunate that this district funds the co-curriculars and they see the value in it. And I always fought. I said, listen, I'm not looking for any special treatment. Make us equitable with sports. Every sports team here has their buses paid for and their coaches paid for, and basic equipment. If you can do yep. that for us. You know, right. I'll keep doing great stuff. Yep. And uh, and they stepped up and they did it. Nice. Yep. Nice. Good job. So, what what's your first uh, memory of music education as a kid? Well, I remember being in fourth grade, and Mr. Hill was the you know the, the main guy here in the DY district, and uh, I wanted to play saxophone. I suppose like most kids, right? You know, 1987, I think it was, or 80, yeah, 87, I wanted to play alto saxophone. And uh, no, I got clarinet. And oh, I was so upset. And my mom made me do it. And uh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I was good at it, you know. So it was awesome. And then come fifth grade, I was still playing, and my folks saw that I had, you know, what they call it, talent or ability. So I started taking private lessons at the conservatory. And my private, first private lesson teacher was Janice Smith, Janice Murphy. Mm. And I had her all the way through elementary school, middle school, high school, and I'm switching over to Mark Miller by senior year to really prep for college. But, uh, you know, her, Bruce Hill, Barbara Bauer was the Mattakees band director, and then later John New. I mean, all were my mentors and influenced me. And I remember one of my, one of my real memories was being in band at Mattakees, seventh grade, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm watching Barbara Bauer go, that's a job you can do. Wait a minute. Are you serious? I want to do that. And I got all excited about it. And I remember going home and talking to my mom, and, you know, like a little seventh grader, saying, like, I think I know what I want to do with my life. And she was excited because then my mom says, yeah, and you get the summers off and the weekends off and the holidays off. And Alex, and you get a pension. And, you know, she's talking all the realistic stuff. And, of course, I wasn't thinking any of that. Wait, I get to just wave my arms around and play instruments all day? And from that day forward, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Wow. And where'd you end up going to college? Went to college, a small college on the southwest side of Cleveland called Baldwin Wallace. Oh, Very wow. small. They've got 3,000 kids in the school, but they have a conservatory of music. Uh, I chose that school. I ended up, you know, I applied to UMass Amherst like yep. every kid does yep. who grows up here back then. Westfield, a couple other random schools. Uh, yep. But I chose that school because they guaranteed a music ed degree in four years. Yeah. Most other schools said it was really four and a half, five years, because, you know, back in those days, and I'm sure it was, you know, when you were going to school, it's like with music programs getting cut, most schools were saying, listen, if you want a music ed degree, you want to make sure you know how to do choral, orchestra, band. You know, they were getting you to do it all. Oh, yeah. So to take all that course load and your education classes and your gen ed, you know, and the liberal arts, it was like four full years, and then student teaching was a fifth. Right. I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to get it done in four years. Um, I, 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 I'd say I really didn't like school. Like I wanted to, I wanted to work. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to be a student anymore. So I chose that school for that reason. And in addition, great program, nice, con- really good conservatory. What's interesting is BW was the only school that didn't have a marching band. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And I actually liked that. I, 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 and I had a great experience here with marching band, Mr. New. Yeah. But I really was catching the bug of orchestral music. Yeah. At All K sure. Festival. I was yep. part of the full orchestra southeast part of the full orchestra uh and i really enjoyed that it's like wow this is what it really is to play clarinet to be you know have a second clarinet and a symphony orchestra so that's what i studied in college was to, I, I thought i was going to be teaching symphony orchestra concert band that kind of world uh and it didn't work out that way I ended up getting a job here and doing marching band that's so funny yeah. right yeah because that was actually i was really like a consideration of mine i was like okay i want to be a teacher and i specifically i knew i knew i wanted to be a high school band director Right. Doesn't everybody that always that's always my contention. I feel like if you go into music ed as a freshman in college 
it has to be well over 95% of people are thinking, I want to be a high school band director, I want to be a high school choral director, or a high school orchestra teacher. Like, I think those years of high school is what really probably influenced you to want to do that. Right. You know, you're inspired ma- by your director. Like, how many people would be like, yeah, I want to be a K-4 through general music teacher. Right. But it's funny, then... I but think then, maybe like, you might catch that bug in college. Yeah, you right. Know, when you take that methods class, yeah, or I think you so. do the observations. Yeah, um, I remember friends of mine that 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 really enjoyed it when they yeah. got to actually do it. Yeah. But I know what you mean. Yeah, I think going into it freshman year, everyone thinks they're going to be the next right. great yeah. director. Yeah, so that that's so funny. You knew that so early. That's incredible. I, I knew I wanted to do it, so I was like, oh, I'm gonna. I I have to go to a school with marching band, right? So I do UMass, and uh, I go for one year, and I'm like, you know what? Not that I didn't love it. Sure. I did love it. And George Parks is like the master motivator. I, I wish, in hindsight, I wish I had done it all four years of college just to literally watch him. Yeah. And I, like in that respect, that's my – but really like the, the, the model, the teaching practice and all that stuff was really the same that I had done in Barnesville for four years, really serious already. Sure. So I was like – well, you know what I haven't done? I haven't played in a brass quintet. You know what I haven't done? I haven't done a small group jazz band. So, like, I just started, you know, I joined the, the orchestra, and I did all the other things because I wanted to make sure that, like you, I, I was like, I had a feeling like I might have to do strings, and guess what? I had a string ensemble at Falmouth High School my first eight years yeah. of teaching, you know? Like, had to do it. Had to teach. I had a section of chorus that I had to teach within my first few years. So, like, having... Those different experiences, yeah. I again, I I miss having not done marching band in those last three years of my college career, but eh. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tell you, I don't miss have not having a marching band. There's actually a marching band at Baldwin Wallace now, but uh, back then there wasn't, and uh, yeah, I didn't miss it at all. Yeah, that's that's yeah, the, you know the ol- the only negative was that when I got the job here and I was John's assistant for five years. You know, I, I all I knew was marching band was here, right? You know, and it served me well. I mean, clearly we've had a, a strong program and whatnot. You know, I sometimes I think, well, I wonder what what it would have been like as a teacher had I had the influence and the experience of being in a different marching band program than what was here. Uh, but you know, it all worked out. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what what are like top couple musical moments ever in your life? Oh boy could be as a um, performer or a teacher or whatever well one of my most favorite musical moments is performing with my best friend so uh we do every five years we do what we call a gershwin concert gershwin festival uh and this goes back to my college days my good buddy jeremy uh, who's was a music ed major and then he dropped out and he's, he's composition theory very very talented piano player and uh, we both loved Gershwin's music from a jazz, you know, and, and Rhapsody in Blue. And we had said back in undergraduate school, oh, dude, if you ever get a job as a band director, we should combine and do Rhapsody in Blue because he can play the whole thing on piano. So it was back in 2012, I think, that, no, 2013, because we just did the third one. Um, was it was before that. I don't matter. It was, it was, it, it was a number of years ago. We, we decided we were going to do it. So uh, I'm... I, not to brag, but I'm really good at orchestration, arranging, that type of thing. So I took, uh, you know, the Paul Whiteman thing, and I wrote it for concert band. Uh, and we performed it. And he played. So we rent these stage extensions. We get the wind ensemble out there. We, we rent a grand piano. We do a two-night concert. It's one of the few concerts we sell tickets to. And we do Rhapsody in Blue. And it is awesome. You know, you got to make sure you got the clarinet player who can do it. This year I had the best clarinet player I've ever had in my career. I mean, he stood up and he leaned back on the solo and just <laughs> ate it up. Um, that's a that's a great experience doing that, and for the kids to be able to, you know, learn about him, learn about the music, and perform it is huge. Uh, another really neat musical experience was my jazz band was asked to play the Star Spangled Banner at a Red Sox game, which was wow, what an honor. Uh, my tenor sax player at the time, his dad was the manager of the away dugout, and it was a it was a Rained, you know, it was a game that was re, re, a made up makeup game, if that's what you'd call it. Yeah. But the original musician couldn't make it, so he got talking to his son. Hey, you think a jazz band wants to play? They're good enough. Yeah, we're good enough. That was awesome. In Fenway Park, playing it, and we hit that. that you know, I told my lead trumpet player, you know, hit the C. You got to hang over, and it was like you could see 
the sea going out of the park, the echo. And to see Big Poppy down at first, he was playing first base that day, clapping, giving us a thumbs up. And then we were walking by the away dugout. It was, I think, Joe Madden, right, the, the manager oh, of the – Oh, the uh, Rays. The Rays. Way to go, kids, clapping. Like, oh, class cool. act. The players clapping us along and, you know, being at Fenway Park. So that was yeah. a really, really amazing oh, that's moment. That's good. Um, and I'd say probably another one was marching in the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Dublin, Ireland. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. I mean, you never seen so as many As a musician people. or uh, – uh, Both. I, yeah. You know, I remember it as a kid. I remember it more as, a, as an adult directing. Uh, but just being in the parade, St. Patrick's Day it's Parade. It's big. I, I know nothing it's about massive. it. It's huge. Hundreds of thousands of people oh, wow. in that city. And everyone's just partying and drinking and having fun. And there you are right in the middle of it all, marching down the street. Oh, wow. That's neat. Yeah. Cool. I, uh, I always like to hear what – because, you know, we have so many in our lives. And it's like – but certain ones stick out for different reasons, right? You know? You know, and I think the other thing, too, is when, when you can do a master work and the kids buy into it mm. – one of the pieces that I'm most passionate about, one of my probably most favorite pieces I've ever written, is Pictures at Exhibition. Love, love, love that music. And uh, that's another one that I have taken the time and I've done my own orchestration arranging for the band in finale. And, and when I'll do it, you know, maybe every six or whatever years you do it, I look at my band and I'll custom it, customize it for my players. Yeah. Uh, but the first time we did it, I remember I had a kid who fell in love with the piece and he had Pictures at Exhibition. He wanted to get it on his iPod. That's how far back we are. Mm-hmm. And I remember he came up to me and he said, Mr. Pendleton, what orchestra should I listen for? What, what, what do you recommend? And I was like, I've done my job. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you want the 1968 <laughs> recording of the Cleveland Orchestra under George Zell? Oh. That, you know, I was right. like, yeah. like, that's how like, much I know about it, right? It's like, that's the one I want you to start with because that's what I use in my interpretation. And if you want it to sound like what I do, that's what you do. But I said, but, you know, listen to everything. You know, listen to a Bernstein one. You know, listen to a – you know, whatever, fill in the blank. So, yeah. But, yeah, when you can have a kid really buy into something like that. The, you know, all the kids will buy into the swear engine and, the you know, the Steve Ryan. That, that stuff that's kind of – it's great music, but it's kind of almost written for the kids to fall in love with. That's great. But, you know, when you pull a masterwork like that, yep. you know, or you do a Hulse piece that, you know, they, they genuinely like it. And that's when you yeah. can really tell quality music, right? That yeah, when, oh, yeah. When these layman's kids realize it's quality music, you go, yep composer did the job yeah absolutely yeah i'm a i'm a big proponent of i rarely if ever like i know there's some people i was like oh if i get the ki- if i do pop songs with the kids they get real interested and they want to do it and they always ask to do it so i do it and i'm like i can i can pick the right piece by the right composer they're going to love it even more because one it's going to be more playable it's going to sound better than on their instrument 99 out of 100 times in a pop song because let's be honest, like, not that I love pop music, don't get me wrong, but I, in terms of how sometimes a melody for pop music relates to playing on an instrument, doesn't always line up, doesn't right. always work. So, so if you pick the right tune and the right thing that works for your band, they'll eat it up more than they ever would a pop tune or whatever. Sure. Or like, again, like those, those popular works for for band. They, they hear it it's like they immediately go there's something about I don't care who you are if you're in a decent band and you're doing like you know a whole sweet knee flat and you get toward the end of that first movement you gotta be kidding like they feel it oh, they, yeah. they feel it there's no way they don't yep. <laughs> this, they just have to so Absolutely. um you know um I still do I'm I bring out those pieces sometimes at Cape Cod concert band and just read them and like it, the memories that come flooding in for everybody in the group, sure. you know, I've probably played that I don't know half a dozen times between high school and college and all that stuff, and it's great. It never I think gets about all of them. Yeah. So, um, I I have a feeling you're similar to me, just in the fact of, of in terms of your music listening choices, but like general general day, you're in your car and you turn on. <laughs> Usually, I listen to talk radio. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> yeah, That's honestly, funny. yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I like to listen to a lot of talk radio, and uh, but no, you know, I, I kind of, I, I try to listen to a nice variety of music. Um, having teenage girls, and, and my youngest is ten, I do try to listen to a lot of pop music. You know, the one hundred and one channel, at least so I know what's relevant. Sure. Um, you know, and, and some of the stuff's really good. I mean, some of the stuff's really catchy. Um, 
I mean, that's a talent. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's like because you know what I, I one I always hate. I hate stuffy musicians that just like turn up their nose in a pop music. Like there's some, there's a reason why it's catchy and that it's so popular. Like yeah. that is, a, that is a talent and it's a musical talent. Yeah. They might not be the most amazing singer or keyboardist or musician. They don't understand the theory of what they've done. Fine. That's all right. Fine. Yeah, that was right. A time and place for all that. Yeah. Music. Yeah. I just, that, that bothers me. Cause yeah, I mean, man, my, my daughter, when my kids were little and it was like Katy Perry and Miley Cyrus, I'm like, I don't know who's writing these tunes. They're freaking great, man. Yeah. Like, I just remember, like, 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 Katie, like, like, it was a Katy Perry and a Miley Cyrus album. And I'm like, these tunes are awesome. Yeah. Like, I'm right. like, listen to okay. these. They're not going to relate to, you know, they're not going to be something you play with a concert band or yeah. a orchestra, but for what they are, you know, it's good pop music. But, uh, no, you know, I listen to a wide variety of music. Uh, it, sometimes it depends on this time of year. Like in the summertime, we listen to a lot of reggae rock. Mm. Like really into, you know, whether it be Bob Marley, but like one of my favorite bands, Stick Figure. You know, we listen to them. Uh, I don't think I stupid. know Stick Figure. Yeah, it's kind of like Pink Floyd meets uh, Bob Marley. Oh, see, I got to yeah, check that out. we just went to this concert, the Levitate Festival in Marshfield they were playing. Oh, neat. Um, but yeah, and pretty much anything. There's a band with a former student of mine in it, and they have a little reggae. Yeah twinge in it from time to time but it's also very rock inspired and nice thing about that music too is you know it's, it almost kind of crosses over into the ska the old ska yeah. when you have a horn section and yeah so it's kind of nice yeah elevated that's great yeah i just varied got to keep it varying right yes well hey man i appreciate you taking time oh, out of here uh this is great and uh hope to see you uh kicking butt on the on the field yeah, this year man so good thank you thanks for listening to the everything music ed podcast be sure to check out future episodes as we talk to other educators from different teaching environments and cover areas of instruction such as concert band, jazz band, marching band, chorus, orchestra, general music, music tech, special needs, and much more. The theme music for the Everything Music Ed podcast is Jig, composed and arranged by Wally Minko. Jig is performed by Wayne Bergeron and can be found on his album, Full Circle. The Everything Music Ed podcast logo was created by Sarah Goulart.